Hi everyone and welcome to Italma 2.0. Today we're going to basically be focusing on Chagiga, Chav Hei Amud Beis, so 25b. But in order to do so, we're going to start from the bottom of um, 25a, uh, the words Avru Hagitos, so pretty close to the bottom, where it says Avru Hagitos Vahabad, so quotes from the Mishnah, Avru Hagitos Vahabadim, if the wine pressing season and the olive pressing season passed, so, which we say at that point, the um, the Am Haaretz, the Am Haaretz is no longer believed about Chuma. So, what happens if Vehevilo Shalyayin, and then he brings to a Chaver um, a a um, a barrel of wine that is Chuma? Lo Yekablenu Himena, the Chaver is not allowed to take it from him. However, the Amharitz can leave it in his storage house until the next wine pressing season, and then he'd be allowed to give it to him because an Amharitz is believed about Shuma during the wine pressing season, and now he will be able to leave it over in his own storage house and then give it to the Chaver the next wine pressing season, and he'll be believed. Baumineimer of Sheshis, Rav Sheshis asked the question of Kibla, if the Kohen transgressed and did accept it from him um, at this point after the uh, wine pressing season what is the halacha what is the law as far as telling the Kohen he can leave it over until the next wine pressing season and then use it because you have to understand it's like a very it's a very interesting thing that's going on here we trust in Am Haaretz during the wine pressing season about Shuma. We no longer trust him as soon as the wine pressing season is done. However, he himself could leave over wine from the he himself could could take wine that was that was from right after the wine pressing season, put it away, leave it until the next wine pressing season, and then he can give it to the Kohen, and the Kohen who is a chaver is allowed to accept it. So now we're basically asking the same question, just this time the Kohen um, um, the Kohen um, transgressed and took the wine after the wine pressing season so now we're asking can he leave it over till the next wine pressing season and then trust that the Amhaar trust the Amhaaretz who had given it to him so it's an interesting question the only difference the reason why this question is different is because he transgressed initially Amr Luhu so he answered Ravshesh's answer Tini Sua we have learned the answer to this in the Mishnah um, where it says as follows Chavir Amhaaretz the Mishnah tells us in Demai, if you have a Chavir and an Amha'aretz who are brothers, and they inherited possessions of their father, who was himself an Amha'aretz, Yachol Omar Lo, the Chavir can tell the Amha'aretz, You can take the wheat that is in that area, and I'll take the wheat that's in this area, um, knowing full well that the wheat that is in the area he's telling the Amha'aretz to take from. Though that wheat did become susceptible to tuma, knowing full well that the wheat that he was going to be taking from was not susceptible to tuma, or tolata yain shemakomploni vani yain shemakomploni, or you take the wine in that place and I take the wine in this place. Again, same idea. So that he's allowed to do. Avalo yomarlo, but he's not allowed to tell his brother tolata lach vani yavesh that you take the liquids, you take the liquids, and I'll take the dry foods, knowing full well that liquids are susceptible to tuma, whereas dry foods are not. Or you take the wheat, which has been susceptible to Tuma, and I'll take the barley, which has not become susceptible to Tuma. So what we're basically seeing right here, um, so far the idea is, we don't have the, we haven't explained what the proof is yet, but this idea is basically telling us is that when you and your brother split an inheritance, 
um, what we do allow the chaver to do is say that you can split the wheat and we say that the portion he takes was meant for him and the portion that his brother takes was meant for him. But once it's not splitting, once but you can't, what you're not allowed to do is you're not allowed to basically say, you take the wheat and I'll take the barley, knowing that the wheat was susceptible and the barley wasn't. Um, the, that, that idea is that you're not allowed to do that because you're not allowed to... Um, you're not allowed to do an exchange. You're not allowed to sell something to an Amharetz. That's the halacha. Um, and if you're not allowed to sell something to the Amharetz, the, 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 the intention of the father, the, the way um, inheritance work, is that you split everything. So you would split all of the wheat. You would split all of the barley. And if the chaver says, you take all the wheat and I'll take all the barley, that's basically them making a trade which is equivalent to selling something to an Am Haaretz, and that is not allowed. Now, the reason you're not allowed to sell stuff to an Am Haaretz is because the Am Haaretz may render it tummy, um, and um, which, which, according to one opinion, um, you're not allowed to ca- cause something to become tummy um, in the land of Israel. So that's just an interesting idea. But that's what we see so far. So now, what's the proof here? How do we have a response to our question as to this question of can the Kohen who transgressed by taking the wine after the wine pressing season, can he just leave it till the next wine pressing season and then um, benefit from it? Fitani Allah. So now regarding this ruling, we say, So we say, if there... Um, so, so what the rabbis taught us in Abraisa is that if there's a truma, if there is truma included in the inheritance, in this case, then the chaver burns the liquid truma, assuming that it has become tame, and he can leave umaniyachasiyavish, and he can leave the dry truma intact because there would have no, been no way for it to have um, acquired tuma. Amai. So now the question would be on this Brisa, why does he have to burn the liquid truma? If, in fact, a Kohen who transgresses and receives wine after the wine pressing season from an Amharetz, if we say that he could keep it over until the next wine pressing season and then benefit from him, then why in this scenario would he have to burn the liquid truma? Just let him set it aside for the next pressing season, and then he'll be able to benefit from it. So from the fact that the rabbis say you have to burn the liquid truma, obviously... The halacha is is that the co- is that the kohen is once transgressed he's not allowed to just leave it over till the next wine pressing season and then benefit from him. But now the gemara is going to say that that's not necessarily the case. Maybe what the Bryce is talking about when we say you have to burn it is something that doesn't have a um, pressing season. If something doesn't have a pressing season, then there's never a moment when it would be allowed for the kohen to accept it. But then we say, but wait a minute, but let him set it aside for the regal, for the festival, um, because we know that um, that the the decree um, we're gonna actually we don't really know much about this yet, but and we'll talk more about it on the next amud. But what we'll find is is that just like a decree against the Amharetz's truma is suspended during the wine pressing season or during the pressing season, we also are going to see that it's suspended during the festival. So why don't we say, let the Kohen take it and leave it till the festival and then use it? Um, why does he have to burn it? 
um, rather it must be that you're not allowed to keep an Am Haaretz's stuff that they gave you until the moment of permissibility. That's just not going to be allowed. Somebody say, no, so no, we must be speaking about, perhaps what we're speaking about is an item that will not keep until the festival, and that's why he has to burn it, and he doesn't have the option to leave it until the festival. But it's very possible that if something could be left till the festival, or it can be left until a pressing, its own pressing season, then the Kohen would be allowed to do that. So we don't really have an answer one way or the other as to the question that we originally asked. Now we're going to analyze the next part of the Mishnah. The Im Omar, if the Am Haaretz said to the Chaber, is Kodesh, that within the barrel I separated a quarter log of oil as Kodesh, Neman, then he's trusted on the entire barrel, including the Truma that's in the barrel. Because we said that was one of the ways in which Kodesh is less um, stringent than Truma. We trust the Am Haaretz regarding Kodesh. And now what we're saying is we're extending and saying, if within a barrel there's Kodesh and there's Truma, then we say that just as we trust the Am Haaretz regarding the Kodesh in that barrel, we'll then just assume, trust them regarding the entire barrel. So the Gemara is going to tell us, Tanan Hasim, we learned in a Mishnah. So Mishnah Oholos. Beishamai and Beishel both agree that if somebody wants to bring the Pesach offering, so he has to go to the Beis HaMikdash, he has to go to the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, and he, if he has to walk through a base hapras, which is a field containing a grave that had been plowed over, so a field that contains a grave that had been plowed over, there's a very, there's a strong suspicion that as you walk over that field, you may come in contact with human bone fragments, which will make you tame, which will make you ritually impure. So what we're saying now is that, um, is that, um, is that as you walk through it, um, and you're wanting you're bringing you have your korban pesach with you. How do you make sure that you do not become tame? How do you make sure you don't become ritually impure? So the answer is that Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai agree that you're allowed to check the field, the Beis Hapras, the field for bone chips, if you want to bring your korban pesach. So it's a it's a leniency, and we say that you're able to check for bone chips, and if you don't find anything, then we can assume that it's you have clear passage. The chuma. But we do not check, we don't allow you to check a base of prosper bone chips for the sake of those who are on the way to eat truma. For truma, we're going to be more stringent and we're not going to allow you to do that. Um, so now the Gemara is going to ask my botkin, what does it mean that we check a base of pras? How do you check for bone chips? You blow on the ground of the base of pras and you walk through it. And as you blow on the ground, if you don't see any um, fragments, bone fragments, then you could assume that it's good. For Bar Abba, Ula Amar, Bar Abba said in the name of Ula, this is what it means to check. Tahar. A Beisapras that was trampled by many people is Tahar. So one, um, if you're on the way to make the Pesach offering, you would just you have to check to see if the field has become sufficiently trampled to then assume that it is Tahar, to then assume that it is uh, pure. Um, because when someone when it's sufficiently trampled, that means either the bone fragments were pushed away to the side, or it means that they were crushed even more so that they're too small to um, give off any sort of ritual impurity. Okay, so now the Gemara is telling, going to talk about the differentiation that we make between if you're going to bring a Pesach offering where we allow you to check versus going to eat Shuma where checking is not sufficient. For those who are on the way to make the Pesach offering, 
the Chachamim, the sages, did not establish their decree of a Beis Apras, of this type of field making you tame without any recourse to, for, um, for clear passage. They didn't enforce that decree or they didn't establish that decree in a case where there is a commandment that if not fulfilled, it's punished by kares. If you don't bring a korban Pesach on Pesach, you receive kares, excision. It's a terrible punishment. It's a punishment from, it's a spiritual punishment. So the sages say that we allow you to have recourse. We allow you to find clear passage by checking it in order that you do not transgress a commandment that is punishable by kares. truma, but for those who are on the way to eat truma, in that scenario, they did not waive the decree. They did not say that you can just check the base of pras. Why? Because they certainly established their decree in a case where there is um, a punishment of death in the hands of heaven, which is the case if you eat chuma when you are ritually impure. Okay, so now Rikumar is going to ask a question. They asked, If you check the base of pras for the purpose of bringing your carbon Pesach, so we say then that you're pure to bring your Korban Pesach. So that we then say once we um, give you a status of purity for your Pesach, then can we, even though generally we don't allow you to allow you to be pure, to think of yourself as pure for Chuma, here when you're already allowing yourself to be thought of as pure for Pesach, for the Korban Pesach, if you also have Chuma to eat, are you also allowed to eat the Chuma? So the Gemara is going to give us two opinions. If you check the base of Pras to bring your carbon Pesach and you found it clear, then you can also eat your Truma on that basis. So if you check the base of Pras for the purpose of bringing your Pesach, you still may not eat Truma on that basis. Now this certain elder said to Rabbi Barula, who said that it does not work for the Chuma? Lo You should not be arguing with Ula, who said that it does work for Chuma once it's working for Pesach, because we learned in a Mishnah that tell, teaches us like Ula. The Mishnah says, If the Amaret said to the Chaver that within the barrel there is Kodesh, then he's trusted regarding the Chuma in the barrel as well. So we see that once you're trusted regarding Kodesh, you're also going to be trusted regarding Chuma. Hachinami, so so to in our scenario, Mide Behemena Pesach, once you're trusted regarding the Besa Pras's purity regarding the Pesach, we'll also trust you regarding Chuma. And that's what um, that's how the Gemara ends off. Okay, now we're going to look at the next part of the Mishnah. Um, the next part of the Mishnah goes as follows. Kadeyayin Vekate Shemen, when it came to jugs of wine and jugs of oil. Tana, a brisatat, ain't emonim. An amharitz is not trusted, lo al kankanim, neither regarding the purity of the jugs, lo la chuma, nor regarding the the tahara, the purity of the oil, of the chuma, of chuma, sorry. So when we talk about being trusted about the jugs itself, what are we referring to? Kankanim demai. What what do these jugs contain? E kankanim de kodesh, if they're jugs that contain kodesh. Then we should say that just like the Amar is trusted regarding the purity of Kodesh, then he should be trusted regarding the purity of the jugs in which the Kodesh is contained. Right? That should be the case. 
Ella kankanim de truma. Rather, we must be referring to jugs that contain truma, shita. But that's obvious that you're not going to be believed regarding that. Hashda truma lo because if you're not believed on the truma inside of the jugs, on kankanim mehemen, can we possibly trust them regarding the tahara of the jugs? No. So neither, there would be no reason we'd even need to say that. It's so simple. So what in the world are we talking about when we refer to amha aretz not being believed, not being trusted when it comes to jugs? That's the question. So we're going to say as follows. Ella b'reikonim de'kodesh Rather, the Bryce is dealing with empty vessels of Kodesh and throughout all the other days of the year, meaning throughout the year, both during the pressing season and throughout the year. And the idea here is, is that these are vessels that contained Kodesh and were therefore guarded from Tuma when it come, came to Kodesh. And what we're going to say is, is that when they contained Kodesh, the Amha Aretz was believed regarding them the entire year. But as soon as they are emptied of Kodesh, he is no longer trusted regarding their Tahara. And that's a Chedesh. That's a novel idea. And also with full vessels of Chuma and during the pressing season. So what's that scenario? So during the pressing season, we know that the Amha Aretz is believed um, that to say that Truma is pure. But what's unnecessary is for the Chaverim, for Kohanim that are Chaverim, they don't have to receive the Truma in the vessels of the Amha Aretz. So therefore, they did not extend their permit to the containers itself. So what we're basically saying is, is that yes, an Amma Arts is believed regarding Tahara of Truma, but not regarding the Tahara of its containers. So the Chaverim have to pour the Truma into their own vessels. Um, okay, so that's that's what the Chiddush of that part of the mission is. But now we're going to ask a question and say this doesn't make sense. Tanan, we learned in a Mishnah. Tanan, we learned in a Mishnah. In the case of jugs and wine, of cases of jugs of wine and jugs of oil, in which are intermixed, they're meduma, right? And we say that in that scenario, the Amaaretz is trusted to declare the vessels free of chuma during the wine and olive pressing seasons. Now, what is this case of being mixed? My lav medumaos the chuma. Now, seemingly, the Mishnah is speaking about jugs which are intermixed with chuma and chulin. Right, truma and and just regular um, and chulin and um, just regular mundane stuff. So what we see very clearly then is that during the pressing season, um, am haaretz am haaretzes are or ame haaretz are trusted regarding the tahara of vessels that contain truma. So it's not that they're just believed regarding truma itself, but also the vessels that contain them. So Gemara answers, Amri Devei Rabbi Chia. So those in the Academy of Rabbi Chia explained, Miduma Osta Kodesh. No, the Mishnah there that talks about being trusted regarding the jugs themselves, those are jugs in which are intermixed Kodesh and Chulin. So there we say that the Am Ha'aret, it's not a mixture of Chulin and Truma, it's a mixture of Chulin and Kodesh. And there we say that since the vessels contain Kodesh, Dhamma Arts is trusted regarding their Tahara um, and regarding the Tahara of the vessels themselves, but he's not trusted regarding the Tahara of vessels that contain Shuma. But now we're going to ask the question, but wait a minute. 
Can we use that word dimua or midumaos or intermixed in the case of Kodesh? That term specifically means something that is intermixed with truma. So there has to be truma inside of there. And if there had to have been truma inside of there, the Mishnah very clearly says that you, the, the, the Am Haaretz is believed regarding the vessel themselves. So seemingly we see that when it comes to truma and its vessel during the pressing season, the Am Haaretz is believed regarding the vessel as well. So Amri Devrei Rabbi Eli, so those of the Academy of Rabbi Eli said, so no, the Mishnah is dealing with one who prepares his tevel. So on, you've never took truma off of it. So tevel is produce that you did not yet take what was necessary to, you did not yet um, separate the truma from it. Um, and uh, you were preparing it in a state of tahara so that you could take it as a, um, as, so you can use them as sacrificial libations. Now, what is tevel? Tevel is basically a mixture of truma and chulin. So you could definitely use the language of dimai or dimua, intermixture in that case. Um, but because part of it was earmarked for kodesh use as a libation, we look at it as kodesh. And once the once there's kodesh there, then we know that um, once there's kodesh in the jug, then the am haaretz is believed regarding the Kodesh, and then, of course, regarding the vessel that contains it, even though there also is Shuma in there that has not yet been separated from it. So what we're basically saying is, is that we don't have a proof from our Mishnah that Shuma, a vessel that contains Shuma, that the vessel itself, the Am Haaretz, is believed on. And the case of our Mishnah may very well be talking about a case where there was also Kodesh, and, um, and that's why they would be believed about the vessel itself. Okay, let's just finish off. Kodim legito shivim yom. The next part of the Mishnah says, and prior to the wine pressing season, 70 days, they're going to be believed. Amar Abaye, Baye said, Shramina, we learned from here, Dinahu, that it is the law. The ilave arisa le mitrach agufi. That's an obligation upon the sharecropper, the person that's working for the owner of the fields. It's an obligation for him to busy himself with the preparation of vessels. To uh, the purification of the vessels, shivim yom mikame maatzarta, seventy days prior to the pressing. Right, we see that that's the normal time to begin purifying the vessels for the pressing season. So a landlord or an owner can compel the sharecropper to begin preparing vessels at this time, and that's the basic idea. We'll stop here and we'll start the mission on the next podcast. Have a wonderful day.